Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, where we're in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. If this is maybe your first time listening, or you haven't been with us from the beginning, this is episode 27, so I just would like to welcome you and let you know a little bit of what the podcast is about. Our tagline here on The Uncommon Truth is, in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be, and that's pretty accurate. My wife and I, we used to run a summer camp, which we really enjoyed, and now we're serving as urban missionaries and interns at the School of Transformation at the Father's House Church in Orville, California. We basically moved our family from the middle of nowhere in Manitoba, Canada, all the way down here to sort of what feels like the middle of nowhere in Northern California. And we did that because we were were searching for I guess the right way that Jesus meant the the church to be, and this felt like a really good first step. We got here about a year ago in August, and I started the podcast about six months ago, and what I'm really trying to do is take a fresh look from the Bible, uh, from people who are actually doing it, about what the North American church really could and should be by Jesus' standards. And my goal is to bring thoughtful conversations to thinking Christians who have that same thought. What is the church really supposed to be? Are we doing it right here in the West in North America? Uh, is this the church that Jesus would recognize 2,000 years later? Or or do we have some, some work to do? Do we have things that we're responsible for doing? Um, are we really bring, bringing the kingdom down to earth? Those are the sort of questions and, and the type of people that I'm addressing them to. So if you've wondered that, if you're thinking about that, if If you're maybe a little bit discontent with uh, just showing up to church on Sunday and that being the extent of your Christianity, then I think the Uncommon Truth will really be the right landing spot for you, and I I appreciate you listening. Today on the show, we're going to be in conversation with Lisa Bowers. Lisa is a pastor here at the Father's House Church, and she came here actually about 18 years ago from Ontario, Canada as the very first intern. She spoke recently about something she's been learning and looking into that she calls the martyr-victim-orphan cycle, and so I wanted to have her on to talk a little bit more about that. Stick around for a second after that conversation, and I'll tell you ways that you can get involved with The Uncommon Truth, get in contact with us, and some different ways that you can get more content. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Lisa Bowers here on The Uncommon Truth. Okay, well, welcome to the Uncommon Truth, Lisa Bowers. I'm going to uh, I'm going to give you your bio. I'm getting more and more legit as a podcast host as I go. It's already episode 27, so I'm not even going to say what I well I will I guess because what I usually say is as a real podcast we have to have bios for people, you know. Yeah. Um, so I guess I one day I'll get to the point where I don't need to say as a real podcast here's your bio, <laughs> but I'm going to do it today. So. Uh, Lisa is joining us. She is she's a pastor here at the Father's House Church. She's married to Johnny Bowers, who's our live audience today. Yeah, hello. Woo! <laughs> Woo! There we go. And first ever live audience too. That's awesome. And uh, they've got a two year old Benton, who's a bag full of energy. He's yes. going always. He's he's the fastest two year old on the planet yes. on a Strider bike. It's true. And you guys have another one on your way. We do. Congratulations, Thank a little you. girl, right? Yeah, a little girl. That's super exciting. Yeah, we're excited. And uh, we we need more playmates for yes. our little ones, yes, Elowen and Arrow. So, <laughs> um, she is from 
Crediton, Ontario in That's Canada, right. which is close to London, Ontario, not London, England. Yep. Uh, there are people here clo- from close to London, but that's a different London, so we can't get her confused. Nope. And um, she's really into photography. She took our baby Eloin's newborn photos, which we were super impressed with. Thanks. So that's it's fun. good to have a fellow photographer yeah. on the podcast. Um, you are actually... No, so there's a lot of Canadians that have been on The Uncommon Truth yep. and lots of Canadians here at the Father's House. You yep. are actually the one that started this whole chain migration of Canadians. It's true. Because you've been at the Father's House 18 years, 18 right? 18 years. That's cool. So how, yeah. how did you find the church? How did you like? How did you start that process? Because I guess for us it was pretty easy because we knew Canadians that had already made the jump. And exactly. That was our, uh, my wife's cousin, a more different Lisa. Yeah. And so we just asked them what they did and yeah. we did it. But yeah. you were you know, sort of in uncharted water. So tell us about True. it. True. Yes. So I came in 2001. It was November 1st. So it was just a month, a little over a month and a half um, from 9-11, wow. which was a little bit of insanity. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, I'm a little, ni- I guess I would just turn 20. So a little 20 year old Canadian girl getting off a plane with machine guns and military all over. Yeah, it was a crazy time. It was a crazy time. But how I got here was, um, Nicole Wallace is Stephen Vicky Orsillo's oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, her and I became friends in Toronto, Canada. We did a school of ministry together there. Okay. Uh, we were both 19 and she was a small group leader while I was a student. And then we spent six months working together after that in Toronto. And we just became friends. We, um, she always would invite me out here. But see, I had like big plans. Yeah. And Orville just wasn't on my map at the yeah, moment. We, we've heard that from uh, Derek a couple episodes <laughs> right, ago yeah. and Danielle's <laughs> wife a few. Yes. Yeah. Right. Big plans. Mm-hmm. Um, so my plan, my quote unquote big plans. Uh, happened to include someday India or Africa working in a village or uh, uh, an orphanage of some sort. Okay. Um, and so just a third world country was what I had in mind. And uh, Nicole kept saying, you need to come to Oroville. Just come and help us. And I just thought, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got home after our school, didn't really know what to do next. was kind of stuck. I had I had talked to a few big organizations um, in quite a few different countries and just had options but just Mm -hmm. didn't know which one to choose so I just kind of sat with it for maybe a month and my mom uh, I think it was her ploy to keep me in North America secretly Um, why she said one day why not California and I said, well, I don't really know why not. And the next day, Nicole literally called me on the phone and said, I have 40 kids that sit on my lawn every day after school, and we have nothing for them to do. I'm it. It's my mm. parents, my young siblings, and me. Yeah. And so would you be willing to come out and be our first intern? Wow. On the phone, it was the Holy Spirit. I said yes, because I hung up the phone and thought, what did I just do? I think everybody's had that moment. <laughs> right? Of like, what have I just signed yes, up for? Exactly. Ours was rolling into town with our Subaru <laughs> yeah. packed in that little trailer. Yes. Like, well, nobody's seen us yet. And, and right? actually, you guys were the ones who welcomed us. Yeah. So we, we pulled in. We're like, oh, what have we done? And then you guys came and we're like, oh, no, they've seen us. We can't turn around, <laughs> right? So I think we can't we, use we can the relate. I'm stuck at the border excuse. Right. Yeah. No. So I, I flew on a plane uh, just a month later and mm. – um, was here uh, for five years in the beginning, was the first Canadian. I swear to you, I met an angel at the border that day uh, when I first arrived because 
we had no immigration experience. We knew nothing. Yeah. And that's so difficult. Yes. And so we just thought we knew what we needed, uh, what I needed. And I literally got to the border and said, here's my letter, not really knowing what I needed and yeah. just saying, I think it's this. And the little old man, he was, I guarantee you, 90 years old, hunchback little old man, yeah. barely could walk. He said, oh, that's not what you need, dear, and went over to a big giant book and opened it up and said, this is the one you need, and gave me a, I believe at the time it was a B1 visa, even a B2, it was a B visa, and it was for way longer than what I was ever supposed to have it wow. for. It was for almost two years, okay. which is unheard of. Yeah, yeah, usually it's a six months. Right, you know, at a time, yeah. got to keep crossing the border. This is, mm -hmm. it was like for snowbirds, right? That's yeah. usually what this visa is for. It's a long-term visitor. Um, and so I just ended up with a visa that day that I probably shouldn't have had, didn't know how I got it, but just was so ignorant in the whole process. Yeah. Thought, wow, that was nice, and came on my way, and then I was here, uh, for a total of five years in the beginning. Okay. Um, and then I applied for a bunch of different immigration visas. Um, and after five years of being in America back then, uh, quite a few years ago now, they cut you off and said no more until you either married an American, mm -hmm. which I didn't at the time, um, or you just had to leave the country. And so I had to leave the country. Um, and so I left uh, for eight years in total, which mm. was the longest eight years ever. Um, but I spent all my vacation, all my time, all my money here uh, every year, multiple times, sometimes multiple times a year for every baby being born, yeah. every wedding, every everything. I just would spend time here. Anniversaries, Stephen Vicky had a big anniversary in that time and I flew out for it and anything, any excuse that I could come uh, home. Yeah, this was home. This was yeah. home. Uh, that's what I wanted and that's what I needed. Um, you know, as, as a 20 year old, it's a good thing that 20 year olds kind of think they can just change the world and they're super naive yeah. and it's wonderful and beautiful because Nicole and I really did that. We really changed the world here in Orville and um, in Southside specifically. And it was just two little 20 year olds who thought we can do this. Mm -hmm. And then we did. Now looking back, I'm thinking, what did I do? And my parents let me come here, you know, <laughs> yeah. which is a little insane for a 20 year old. But again, I'll, yeah. you know, I'm grown up, mm -hmm. I'm 20. And so I just, I'm so grateful that I got the opportunity to be here, to be a part of the original cast and crew, really. Yeah. Um, you know, you had Danielle on the program. When I came, Danielle was 13. <laughs> um, and just starting high school. And so I've just been able to watch her grow up and we've been just such good friends. She's a sister for sure. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, their youngest, you know, was 11 when <laughs> I got here. So I moved right in. Yeah. I t actually took Danielle's bedroom again, Danielle, please forgive me. I think she's still working on that one. Yeah. Um, but we just, I, they just walked me in and became part of the family. Cool. Yeah. And so, you you were gonna you shared something actually so you're a pastor here and you yep. get the chance to speak and you shared something that that really like it it's I guess it set a light bulb off for me a couple yeah. weeks ago um, maybe two weeks ago three weeks ago we had Steve on and we were talking about um, victim culture yeah. in the West and how uh, really like I it feels like in my lifetime I've actually seen I'm only 32 I've seen the world shift from a 
kind of like that JFK thing. What can I do for, it's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, (laughs) right? And sort of switching from that to what can the whole world do for me, right? Absolutely. And so we, Steve and I talked about that a little bit, about the impacts on the the whole church of of victimhood, about how uh, the world's against me and and everything is, you know, and selfishness that comes out of that. And you've got a little bit, um, you spoke on that, uh, a yeah. cycle, uh, which includes victimhood yeah. and a few other things. And, and I want to know, like, where, where did you get that from? Because yeah. uh, And sh- share a little bit about it, because yeah. it was pretty impactful. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, for me, um, it, it started as a very long and slow process of the Holy Spirit really revealing to me um, just my own heart and the things that were broken inside of me. Um, and so he would just kind of start to uncover, you, you know, you have a little bit of orphan mentality mm-hmm. here, you know, when you're thinking you're very, you know, you're very much about the individual about being, you know, independent and, mm-hmm. and it's about me and taking care of myself. And it's really how I, I, I kind of, um, just took that on from a young age. Um, and then being the old, oldest child as well, kind of put you in that position of being the one that was always being the example and being in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he started re- really uh, uncovering part of my heart where I realized that um, I was, you know, operating out of being a victim, you know, and it, it wasn't that it was these, I, I realized it wasn't that it was out of these external circumstances that, that were, that I actually was a victim, but what I allowed those external circumstances to do was actually create an internal identity of mm. being a victim. And I think there's a real difference there of, of being somebody that is an actual victim of circumstance and to have to walk through some things that we have to walk through in life. Mm -hmm. You are a victim, but allowing that to shape and change my identity is where the Holy Spirit really started to show me that there's this pattern and cycle in my life. Mm. Almost agreeing with the victimhood. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Like uh, it's my right you know, yeah. this is, this is who I am. That's so alluring, like so tempting. Absolutely. It's right? like, oh man. It is. I can, I can be, it can be all about me and, and almost a, a, a joy in being put down or being slighted. Absolutely. Or, right? Absolutely. Because then you can, it's almost like a bragging right, kind mm-hmm. of, you get a bragging right for it. And actually when I started to look into this a little bit more, this is the interesting thing for me. And I'm kind of a little bit of a geek when it comes to this kind of stuff, but I started looking at actually like the victim mentality and the victim spirit, we'll call it, and realizing it actually has a power that um, scientists have gone and done research on that it actually affects the brain so much. It creates dopamine. Mm. Being a victim creates dopamine, which means that you become addicted to being a victim. Wow. And so when you become addicted to being a victim, it makes you feel good about yourself, your yeah. situation, even though it might be a very terrible situation, people feel sorry for you. And so you allow that to then give you power. Mm-hmm. And then you feel powerful where maybe in your life you hadn't felt powerful before. Right. So that for me was really what I started to uncover in this, you know, this adventure of the Holy Spirit really showing me, you know, the, the broken parts inside of me. Mm-hmm. And then he started to kind of piece it together. And it was, it's, it's, I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a great teacher. I love to teach, but when it comes to like 
patterns and cycles and you know all of these these things that these great teachers come up with like Jordy is phenomenal at this Chloe phenomenal at this you know we have some incredible people in our lives that are just so good at like piecing these things together and of course this is what you're operating out of I am not one of those people so when he started giving this to me I just kind of thought wow this is something Um, and it was operating in my own life and so the other piece that he gave me was um, being a martyr Hmm. And uh, he gave me two very clear examples of how um, the martyr uh, spirit really works in a person's life and how actually when you start to initiate that martyr spirit, it then leads you into being a victim, which then leads you into being an orphan. And so then you have this cycle in your life that you can't you can't really feel like you can break out of and you don't really know that it's there. Yeah. It's a little bit slippery, a little bit like you can't quite put your finger on it. You know something's amiss. You don't know something's off, but you're not really sure what mm-hmm. or where it started yeah. or how it became or what it looks like. And um, and so for me, it was it, it, it's been a long journey. It's not overnight. It hasn't, it hasn't been something that was just like a click of a button. Here you are, and now you're free. Mm. It's something that ha- I realized had taken over every part of my thinking, my emotions, my heart, my responses, um, the way I looked at situations, the way I approached situations, the way I approached uh, relationships and communication. Yeah. Um, all stemmed out of this crazy cycle. And um, so I just I started doing a little bit of research, which... Again, a little bit of a geek over here. Um, and just kind of like figuring out what does that all look like? Like what are some symptoms? So that so that when I felt like it was a little complicated to explain everything in detail. Like for me as of I'm a verbal processor. So for me, I really sat down. Actually, me and Chloe sat down and just kind of verbally processed through some things of trying to figure out can I actually put words to what a victim looks like and Mm -hmm. words to what a martyr looks like and words to what an orphan looks like instead of just feelings and emotions and because feelings and emotions can't always be explained. So how do I get this to become something where I can say, do you suffer from this or have you, do you have this going on in your life? Mm -hmm. Is this something that you can see in yourself? And then I've had people just look at me and say, Oh my gosh, like, how did you know? Yeah. And, and we're talking about this because it actually has a huge impact on people's lives, like daily it does. and their Christianity. It does. And, and as the church, if, mm-hmm. if enough of the church is operating in these sort of modes, yeah. then it can really, it can cripple local churches. It yes. can cri- cripple regions. It can Absolutely. cripple the body of Christ, right? Absolutely. So understanding this stuff is really important for yeah. the Western church. Absolutely. And, and for, for me, it was like, I kind of wanted to go back to the original, like, where did it start? Mm-hmm. You know, was, is there an example in the Bible of where it all started? You know, where did it all come from? And, um, he actually really, he gave me a really simple one and it actually started at the beginning. You know, we were designed for, um, we were designed in his image, God's image. That's an incredible, powerful statement that I think we just kind of as Christians take and maybe just shelve a little bit as a good verse that we know, you yeah. know, we were created in his image. But if we actually dissected that a little bit and thought about it for, for a minute, you know, what does that even look like? If we're, if we're created in his image, it doesn't necessarily mean we look physically like him, but what right. is our makeup on the inside of us? How does that reflect him? You know? And, and so when he created us like that, he had a, he had a purpose 
and he had an absolute. It was like, no, you're created in my image. There's no shaking of that. Right. And um, for me, that that's been a journey of figuring out, okay, that's not always what I've believed. That's not how I've lived my life is acting like I was created in his image. Mm. And so I found in the in Genesis, um, in the beginning, it was like Adam and Eve really were the first people to go through this cycle. You know, the enemy came, he um, deceived, he told lies, which is what he does. Yep. You know, as Chloe would say, he's a beast, mm-hmm. you know, and he just comes and destroys lives, and he did that. And then what they did was they were, you know, um, Eve was a, uh, Eve was part of this martyr moment where he said well but you could be like god and what she didn't realize was she already was made in his image mm, yeah. and so what she did was she took that and, th- and 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 didn't really understand that she was created in his image and she wanted to change it to be what she thought and so she became the one that was the powerful one she went into victim mode and so did adam he blamed her it was the woman you gave me, yeah. Lord, right? Yeah. Which is the famous quote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they just became orphans. They hid from him. They hid from God. They hid from God. And we think we can do that. You know, and there's just this cycle that happened. He, she was the martyr, shared it with Adam. Then they became the victim. Then they became the orphan. And then their whole lives were lived that way. Mm-hmm. And so when it, if it starts there and they walked with him, it's going to start with us too. We just need yeah. to really kind of look at this. So in the consequence of this cycle is that um, in the New Testament, we're called to be sons to our father. And yes. Steve talks about that a lot, right? The yep. key is is being real sons to a real father in right. heaven. So as in um, obeying a father, as right. in relying on a father, Absolutely. as in um, seeking a father and, and spending time yeah. with a father, all that stuff. And and being a little kid in his presence, yeah. if you if you go through the cycle and the end result is being an orphan, yeah. then that's actually undermining the very like the entire relationship between man and God, right? Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, is you don't necessarily even have to know what an orphan looks like because you've experienced being an orphan in the actual physical sense of the word. Abandoned by your parents, you mm-hmm. know, have have no blood relative. Um, to raise you or or you know they've they've passed on or they've left you and so a lot of people can understand that word in that sense but uh, I've actually been able to lead people through an inner healing process where they realize they had this cycle in their life and in the end that they've been an orphan their whole life and they had incredible fathers Mm -hmm. they've had incredible parents in their life they've had incredible leaders in their life they've been Christians you know most of their life And so it doesn't even, the cycle doesn't just hit, I guess, or affect or cling to those of us that have had come from broken homes, have Mm -hmm. had orphanness in our life, have had major victim situations come about. Um, And even, you know, being a martyr in certain things, it's like we, we don't have to necessarily say, well, yes, you know, I've... I've had these crazy stories or these crazy testimonies of where my life came from, but I've noticed that you can operate out of this. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if he is no respecter of persons when it comes to the enemy and his tactics. Right. So you can have a, a, an incredibly loved child who then grows up to 
understand this cycle in their life and see it play out in their life and not know why. Mm. I had I had good parents. I grew up in a good home. I was disciplined properly. I was loved thoroughly. Yeah. Right? And it's just this twist that the enemy has that he just, he hooks you. Yeah. And he'll do it to anybody. And so for me, it was realizing, okay, I, I didn't grow up from a perfect home. I had two parents who provided a roof over my head and provided for me and loved me and did the best that they could. And they're incredible people. And I am forever grateful. And then I had spiritual parents who came into my life at 20, you know, Steve and Vicky, who have provided this platform of how to build a Christianity who became, um, you know, in those moments when my own parents couldn't because they weren't physically here, they became my, you know, providers and just really set a foundation. And yet I still had this cycle. Right. I still was operating out of being a martyr, Mm -hmm. being, you know, a victim and then being an orphan. And it does it it always starts with martyrdom? I'm finding that I'm finding you can actually start the cycle at any of those, but okay. then it always links through. So right. that's in, in in the process of really just kind of hearing people's stories and um, leading people through, you know, different types of inner healing or just just even like mentoring. Uh, I'm really finding that, you know, even if you even if you started off as a victim and then you go into an orphan, then you create a cycle where things happen to you where you are then the martyr. You're the scapegoat you're the, or you're the rescuer or you're the savior or mm-hmm. you're the, the one that is is put in positions where, you know, I got to fall on my sword. Poor, poor mm-hmm. me, which then leads right back into victim. Yeah. Poor, poor me. Yeah. <laughs> right? And we're, we're not talking about like. The good martyrs like Stephen, right, exactly. you know, forgive yes. them as he's getting stoned. Yes, or, was exactly. he stoned or burned? I can't remember. Stephen was stoned. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so, so they're we're right. not talking so there's about a, that. Exactly. So there's like, there's two different classifications. And I think there's two different classifications for every single one of these. Mm-hmm. There's the, there's, I think the, in, in, I guess maybe the intent of how God did it, of being a martyr back, you know, when people, and I, we live in the Western world. So right. people are still martyrs today. We just don't know about them as yeah. often or as much as mm-hmm. the first century Christians would have. Right. But so there's that sense of a martyr. And then there's this spiritual sense and this inner operating identity sense mm-hmm. of a martyr. And it's the same with a victim. Again, like I said, victim situations can happen, but it's whether you turn those external circumstances into an internal I- mm-hmm. internal identity. Yeah. And then there's an orphan. You can be a physical orphan, or you can actually just be somebody that acts out orphan tendencies yeah. and really just becomes independent, separate, and I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. I remember working at camp. We had we had t- about half of our kids mm-hmm. uh, at the camp in Manitoba that we ran. Yeah. Uh, half of them were from some sort of foster home yeah. or group home, and yeah. and lots of them were technically orphans, right? right? And the the big difference between kids that that were actual kids and and full of joy and excited to do all the activities and and share with their their peers and their yeah. cabin leaders and stuff, and the ones who were were separate and not were were the ones who had just taken on that identity of mm-hmm. you know and it's it's as a kid it's not really always a, a sit down I'm going to no, decide this it's just it's just what's open to them and and exactly. some of them would come you know from a home where somebody who's not their parents but somebody close to them had shown them love yeah. and value and yeah. and uh, and they had kind of broken out of that yeah. and others you could just see you know they got 
the whole camp is open to them. Every minute of the day for a week is all for them. And they just can't enjoy it because it's, they can't, they can't even believe that anybody would want to do, you know, why would anybody want to take me horseback riding? They must be wanting something out of me. And and a lot of those kids would, would just like try to run away from camp because, um, they just want to see, well, is anybody actually going to chase me for one? Exactly. And, um, and then, you know, it, does anybody actually care for me yeah. or, or is this all just a sham? Right. And I think that we find that even like, so that's a great example of kids acting, actually acting out and like wanting to run away. But how often do we as adults do that with, within ourselves, with the people around us, mm-hmm. you know, we withdraw, we go internal with God, we separate ourselves. We, we want to see, are you going to come after me? Are you, yeah. you know, are you, do you, you know, are you who you say you are? And the people in our life, I think that when we're operating under this cycle, that's what we tend to do. Mm-hmm. Are you really going to care about me today? Are you really going to come after me today? And yeah. that really is, uh, we not, might not be running away from church, but we're running away from church. Right. And the people that care about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you notice the cycle first acting? So, or yeah. What was that process of discovery like for you? It must yeah. have been pretty difficult. Well, it's been about 18 <laughs> years of inner healing. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it, this is the thing. God's kind. He's mm-hmm. a really kind God. So he didn't just expose my heart you know, in one this fell didn't, swoop. This all didn't happen one right? morning exactly. over coffee, right? Okay, yes. that's good to know. Yes. So he's he's so gentle and so kind, and he loves us so much. And so for me, it really was a series of events um, that just started the process and years of just allowing myself to be fully submitted and surrendered to him in an inner healing session, in life in general, and just saying, like, search my heart. What's in there? Mm-hmm. What are the still the things that are broken pieces that need to be put back together that I don't know about? Yeah, you know, and and I'm the I'm kind of the personality type too that I'll go after it if I know something's wrong, just let me deal with it. You know, I don't I don't I don't really want to sit in it. I don't really want to just right. wallow in this, mm-hmm. right? And so that's kind of been my inner healing journey. But he's uh it, we we actually my husband and I actually had um a bit, a bit of a tough year and a half of, um, just personal loss. Mm. Uh, we lost, uh, three babies in 18 months, Mm. um, and all at various weeks within pregnancy. Um, and so because of that, uh, that created these external circumstances that I was a victim in, you know, what, what a woman has to walk through, um, when it comes to a miscarriage is uh, horrendous mm. and something that I, my heart breaks when I hear about women that have to walk this road because mm-hmm. I know the pain. And so for me, it was this opportunity for the Lord to really show me where in my life I'm taking an external victim circumstance and allowing it to become my identity. Mm-hmm. Agreeing so, with it, right? Yeah. And just allowing it to shape me so that, I, you know, I, so in b- all three of my pregnancies, I had really close friends who were also pregnant alongside me at the same time. Mm. So I then lost a child and had to watch them be pregnant right. and then give birth to their child. Mm-hmm. I could very easily have gotten lost in that. 
poor me, what I don't right. have, what I've lost. Do you even know? How dare you invite me to the baby shower or ask me to run it? Mm-hmm. How do you know all of these right. things that could have come up? And really, the Lord was really uh, sovereign with me and kind of stopped this stuff before it got to that place. Mm. And so he started to show me like you, you lost a baby. Yes. You have walked a road that women shouldn't have to walk through it and fathers shouldn't have to walk through and families shouldn't have to go through. But here you are. What are you going to do in the middle of it? Who am I in the middle of it? Mm -hmm. Who do you say I am in the middle of it? Are you going to allow it to ruin your life? And I don't think anybody would have faulted me for that. Right. You know, I don't think anybody would have said yeah, you know, you just, you can't, you can't grieve, Lise. You can't, you can't wallow in it. And I grieved, but I had to make sure that m- the external circumstance didn't become this internal grieving process that I never got over right. or I never got to the end of and not saying I'm at the end of it, but saying that in the midst of it, there can be joy when you hold your best friend's baby mm-hmm. who's supposed to be mm-hmm. born at the same time. There can be joy in the midst of, an incredibly amazing family photo shoot of a newborn. There Mm -hmm. can be joy in allowing myself to celebrate all of the baby showers that happened. Yeah, there's a lot around you. There are a lot. Mm -hmm. And so it's allowing yourself to say, yes, I lost something. And that was a big part of my dreams and my heart is broken. But that victim mentality, I'm not going to allow it to become... The thing that ruins my life, yeah. the thing that takes me out, the thing that separates me from him, the thing that um, keeps me a- at a distance from my husband, the thing that doesn't allow me to become um, soft, because it's really easy when you have lost to become hard and you just get through it and you deal with it and yeah. you suffer and you suffer in silence and then you become an orphan and then you do it on your own and nobody's invited in and Mm. you don't reach out and you know and it just can become that spiral and so for me that was how this all started unfolding was just allowing that process to be opened up and allowing him to speak to the middle of it in 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 the midst of it in the midst of the loss in the midst of the heartache in the midst of the crazy and so for me, that's kind of how he started to just kind of brush away, you know, the, the cobwebs or the dust to say, hey, you need to take a look at this. Yeah. You're allowing this to become your identity. And that's not what I designed. Mm-hmm. You know, you are a victim of your circumstance. Yes. But it's not who you are. Right. You're not a victim. Yeah. Jor- Jordy shared that when him and Steph shared their story of, of his diagnosis. Yeah. Right. And he said, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been diagnosed with cancer, but cancer yeah. is not going to identify me. Right. right? And, um, and that was like, uh, that held up a mirror for me where it's like, what, what little things even today or this week have I said, oh, well, I, you know, maybe got a speeding ticket. I didn't get a speeding ticket. I'm a very good driver. Thank you. But (laughs) something like that. Right. And well, now I'm just, I'm the victim of that speed trap or I'm the victim of, of any number of, Mm -hmm. of things. Right. Or the visa system and, and the, um, immigration system or and that's where i found myself in because i found myself in the loophole of the immigration system trying to figure out how to stay here how to come back here how to do this and being a victim of it i would i've literally been told to be i was going to be kicked out of the country all of these things then i became like this always happens to me Mm -hmm. well does it always 
right? And the Holy Spirit's like, but does it always? No, it doesn't always happen. It's happened, yes, but it doesn't always happen, you know? And so it's those kinds of thinking, that kind of mentality and that kind of thought process that we need to really separate ourselves from to make sure that it doesn't become the internal everybody's out to get me. Yeah. I always have to give give up everything. I am now have to do this on my own. Yeah. And that is the complete cycle right there. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's Yeah. Yeah, yeah we Steve and I were talking when we were talking about victimhood. The the person that really had really had an axe to grind was Jesus, right? Yeah. Perfect. Right. Perfect life. Yeah. Uh gave up everything. Yeah. And his own, his own people, yep. and his own like the whole earth's his own people, right? But right. his his real people, his homies, they just they would have nothing to do with him, right? right. They're the ones who wanted to kill him, and and yet he's the one who said like nobody takes my life from me, right? right? I freely give it. Yeah. And uh, if anybody could claim that, right? You know, I'm a real martyr. I'm Absolutely. a real victim. Yes. Um, it was Jesus. It was Jesus, right? And yeah. yet he never complete. He never allowed the cycle to complete to no. being an orphan. He was always, right. he was always the the son. To and the, the enemy tried. Right. The enemy took him and tempted him, mm-hmm. and three times, and did the three cycles, and he succeeded. Wow. And he actually gave us an example to follow. This is something we can actually work through. We don't have to walk in the cycle the rest of our life. Yeah, that because I now that I'm thinking about it, those are identity things he yes. he challenges, right? Absolutely. Are you really? Yes. God's son, are you? Is he really going to protect you? Provide for you, wow. yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. provide for you, yeah. I know. Yeah. So. Sorry, did I steal some of your thunder? No, there? no, that was good. I just realized it myself. Yes. Maybe I'm just realizing. Maybe you shared that when you spoke, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't realize that. No, yeah, it's it's good. It's because it's. This is the thing. It's like that. This can hit you like a ton of bricks sometimes, and you feel overwhelmed. Like, where do I even begin with this? Yeah. But he's kind. He's so kind and that's what he's been with me. He's been so kind and he's just really slowly uncovered this in my life. And now it's a process where I have to actually now go after it. So now it's on me to go after it. Mm -hmm. And now it's on me to think about my thinking. How do I think about this? How am I responding to this? This always happens to me. Actually, this doesn't always happen to me and I'm sorry that I just said that. Right? And I have to literally go back and apologize because Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in the process now of figuring out how do I walk this out? What does this look like in my daily life? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it helps. Yeah. It helps for me because I I have a lot of these same these same things like um, just little little circumstances. Nothing nothing that big, but yeah. I have to challenge myself. And the one thing that really helps is being surrounded in community, yeah. Christian community, especially Christian community with lots of generations of uh, spiritual generations yeah. of of leaders who yeah. have walked out adversity and are walking out adversity in front yeah. of me really well and yeah. really um, with their identity intact yeah and so I can't I can't say this you know like well my car always breaks down right right because that was me for a little while my my car always breaks down right why is this always happening to me right and uh, and I shared the story of how how really pretty providentially we were provided with the new car and right. um, and now now I can't I I can't I can't say that because look what that didn't always happen to right. me. I now have a, <laughs> you know, I now have a Honda minivan, right? right? And, um, yeah. hashtag mom life. And, <laughs> um, and, but beyond that, yeah. I, I don't have a, I don't have really an ax to grind because I see people who, who have a lot more circumstances yeah. walking with a lot more joy and right. peace. Exactly. So, um, not only is that a challenge to me, but it's also, yeah. it's also a good, um, reminder and yeah. help because yeah. i i can just go to jordy and say like 
man, like I'm bummed my team lost a hockey game right. or a football game. Well, my team's always <laughs> losing football games, but um, and like I'm just bummed. I've been bummed recently that the Rugby World Cup's happening and you can't watch it except for paying $300 <laughs> exactly. for a subscription. And I'm I'm getting all this like, wow, these guys expecting I'm, I'm here giving my life away and don't make any money. And I'm like, wait a second. It's right? just rugby, right? Exactly. Like, uh, so watching yeah. watching people yeah. walk with with real real conviction in their identity, yeah. not being a victim of not being there, like not claiming yeah. victim status or orphan status exactly. or martyr status, right? Yeah, and joining with our culture. Yeah, because that's what it is. It's joining with the culture that we see around us. So that's that that also brings that that's also super hard mm-hmm. to then separate yourself from that. Yeah, and to be different than the world. And so it's a good reminder because it's easy to fall into it. Yeah. Woe is me. Oh, it's always me. Well, and that, that's a big thing in the world right now because mm-hmm. it is, as, as we were mentioning in the Victimhood podcast, it is sort of like a race to the bottom, right? right? And not in, the, not in the good way of, right? of the last shall be first, right. but yeah. uh, who, can, <laughs> who can get to the bottom so they can claim the most power, exactly. right? So how does this whole, how does this whole uh, understanding, how does it impact uh, Christianity as a whole in the West where we're struggling yeah. with this? I think it makes it very difficult to see Hmm. because we're quite desensitized to it, really, Um, because everybody has a story and we want to hear everybody's stories. And in the Christian world, we call them testimonies Mm -hmm. and we want to hear them. And it it invokes an emotion in us to hear people's sad tales. And so what we do with that is we create this opportunity to hear these sad tales without the ending of, but look what God did, mm-hmm. right? So then we just allow it to, to be this victim thing where we just, we, we match what everybody else's sad story is like, you know, or you hear somebody's sad story and then you have to pipe in with your own. Yeah. You have to be the one upper. In exactly. Yeah. Oh, well you went through that once I went through that three times. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like, how dumb you have to see the yeah. person in front of you. <laughs> Very childish. Right. You have yeah. to see the person in front of you and value the incredible heartache that they've just went through or that they've suffered in their life or that they are trying to work through and just allow them to be themselves. And then, allowing the Holy Spirit to use you mm-hmm. to then say, what has God done for you today? That's good. You know what? Let's, let's, let's look at the good, mm-hmm. you know? And, and a lot of us have, uh, there are automatic thing is, you know, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. Right. And it's like, we, we, we default on these fillers in conversation. Yeah. And so what we need to do is to see the person in front of us. And if they're not good, Allow them for that moment to be not good. And then uh, if you have a place in their life, allow them to then be challenged to be brought up. Okay, well, mm-hmm. that's tough. I'm so sorry. You know, what, what's God been doing in your life that, that you know has changed you and shaped you and is good? And it fo- it's a focus shift. And so then it takes it off of you and puts it onto him where it needs to be. And that for me has been, I mean, that's where Steve has come in and really has said that, you know, even with these, you know, even with the, the miscarriages, it's like, yeah, we, we lost three babies, but glory gained them, Mm. you know, like Mm -hmm. they had, they have reached the finish line that we are all going after. Yeah. And so it's the perspective shift. And I've had people in my life have to give me that perspective shift 
kindly and gently, but they allowed me to have my moment and then allowed me to see the truth Mm -hmm. on top of that. So, yeah. yeah. So before we go, Mm -hmm. somebody listening, they're driving their car, listening to us talk or doing the dishes, whatever. Yep. And they're they're saying, wow, I think for the first time, I think I've identified the thing that's holding me back. It's yeah. it's one of these things or maybe all of them working together. Yeah. What's the first quick little thing that they can do to start undoing this cycle in their lives? Yeah, um, I would suggest really being vulnerable with the Lord and finding somebody in your life that you can be vulnerable with. Um, I know I've after I, I spoke about this on Wednesday, I had uh, quite a few women come and say, wow, you've just you've just literally listed the last 70 years of my life Hmm. and I could never put my finger on it, you know, and then they had a a journey to start. And so I encouraged them to share it with somebody that is, you know, in a pastoral role or in a, you know, in a a leadership role in their life that they can really start to expose it. Cause it's really good being hidden and covered. You can just live your life like that Mm -hmm. and you can, I mean, we, we do it. Yeah. Um, and we can stay in that cycle. But if you really, really want to get free, exposing it and saying, listen, I, I, somewhere deep inside, I actually like being a victim. Mm-hmm. Holy yeah. Spirit, where did that first come in? Mm-hmm. You know, God, search my heart. You know me. Change me. You know, heal my wrong thinking. Yeah. Change my heart. Allow me to see the truth. And then just start working through, like, where was the first, you know, allow Holy Spirit, where was the first time that you felt that way? Yeah. You know, and it might be when you're super young and it might be when you're older. Who knows what he's going to show you. Yeah. But allow him to show it to you and then find somebody. Yeah, the community say, aspect. Of yeah, it. and that's yeah. big. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of us, because we're in this cycle, sometimes don't allow ourselves to be in community. Mm. And it's it's detrimental. Yeah. Um. Even at, even to your, um, you know, you're walking out as a Christian, it's detrimental to not have community around yeah. you because you, you need it and you deserve it. Everybody deserves it. And so um, finding that community and finding um, people that you can really open up to yeah. and just expose the things that are going on. And they're not going to be pretty. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is God's faithful yeah. and kind and loving and he wants to heal you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to leave you that way. He wants to come in and he wants to heal your thinking and he wants to heal your heart and he wants to do that for you yeah great i think um i think just holding up a mirror having somebody holding up a mirror for you because i know uh, i i can get into even when i'm reading the bible and and listening to a challenging message thinking oh yeah i really want so and so to listen to this right (laughs) Right. i really think he would you know let's let's get johnny to listen to it he really (laughs) needs this one today right and realizing actually this word's for me right now yeah and uh and allowing the lord to like speak to me through it and and work on it um so that's that's really important and i i challenge listeners if if you're listening to this um in canada maybe or we've got listeners all over the world uh, and you want to know more i'm going to link uh lisa's sermon we actually have video of her preaching this really life-changing sermon I'm going to link that um, to the bottom of this episode so you can scroll down when you're done listening, check it out, and uh, and you can get in contact with us here at The Uncommon Truth if you want to know more and, and ask for some next steps. So. Yeah, and I've right. crafted a prayer too. Okay. So that's on the, pot, that's on the, the video that you'll share. Great. So, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lisa. Thanks for being our live audience, Johnny. Woo! 
So we'll Thanks, we'll Max. catch you next time. We're gonna have to have you on another time. That'd this be great. is great. Appreciate it, Lisa. Thanks, Max. Well, that's all the time we have today. I really hope you found that conversation with Lisa thought-provoking and challenging. It's my goal with with conversations like that to make sure that we're we're challenging ourselves. I think the church, as Jesus meant it to be, uh, really involves believers who are challenged with what they believe um, and and how they think, so that we're not just Christians who call ourselves Christians and look just like the rest of the world, uh, and and thinking about our own our own proclivities to be uh, agreeing with victimhood or embracing orphan and and martyr spirits uh, that's that's not what Jesus had in mind and that's not what uh, what's gonna separate us as the light of the world and the salt of the earth so uh, yeah I, I hope that was a conversation that you found similarly challenging as promised, you can see uh, links below for Lisa's sermon about the same sort of stuff. You can check that out, as well as go to YouTube with the link provided and check out some of our other sermons here if you're looking for more content. I got links down there also to my own email where you can give me some feedback or some, some topics you'd like to hear on the Uncommon Truth, as well as our website links and social media links so you can check out more of what goes on here at the Father's House Church. And if you've stuck with us all the way through this episode, that means you like what's going on here. So why don't you go to whatever platform you get your podcast from, preferably Apple Podcasts or iTunes, one of those, and give us a rating or review that will kind of spike us up the charts and allow us to reach more people who haven't heard of us yet. Thank you so much for listening and taking your faith seriously and thinking through it. Until next week, this is Max, and this has been The Uncommon Truth.